Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Money Talks. My name is Amelia Isaacs, reporter at Altfy. Now, for those of you who don't know, Money Talks is Altfy's monthly discussion of some of the biggest topics and trends in the fintech landscape. And we're very happy to be joined by some of the biggest names in the industry to help us discuss those topics every month. Now, the month of June has been chock full of fintech events. You might think we'd be slowing down for summer, but in fact, it's full steam ahead in the world of fintech. Right now in London, it's Tech Week. We've also got Fintech Fringe. And next week, it's London Fintech Week. But without a doubt, the biggest event in Fintech every year is Money 2020. So for the next 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to be casting our minds back a week to Amsterdam, to the Rye, and to discuss our biggest takeaways from this year's Money 2020 in Europe. So from the Moneybot stage and a giant talking robot to the backyard beach and pedalo boats and a lake to some of the big announcements and hopefully some insightful conversations, we're going to be discussing it all. Now, Money 2020, to call it a big event would be a massive understatement. So no one person alone could really scratch the surface of everything that was going on there. But luckily, I'm going to be joined by some fintech experts today to help me unpack some of the biggest topics and trends from the week. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our speakers. There we go, the power of the internet. Wonderful. So I'd like to introduce Harriet Ulmer, who is head of PR from Taya, and Matthew Addison, who is CEO of Step Ladder. Uh, now, Murphy from Zopa, unfortunately, had to last minute uh, pull out from the webinar. So Matthew has very kindly come in to save the day and to join us today. So thank you both so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's so nice to be having this conversation. Wonderful. So quickly, a note to our audience uh, is that obviously we have so much to talk about, but if you have any burning questions that you would like to ask Harriet and Matthew, you can drop those in the chat throughout and we'll get to as many as possible at the end of the session. So to kick things off, I'm going to go a bit broad and just ask, how was your experience of Money 2020 this year? How do you find it, Harriet? <laughs> You know what? It was very, very different to some of the ones that I've been to in the past. Um, I think partly because this is the first one I've come to post-COVID and post-lockdowns, all those kind of things. And um, so actually, I thought there was a, a there was a different vibe, particularly in the content itself. Um, I think there was a lot of future with a small F rather than a big F, um, sort of so a more tempered uh, conversation at times. Yes, there's still the blue sky thinking that we all know and love money 2024, um, but there was actually also a lot of consideration about what's happening in the world right now what is the what are the implications for our customers for uh the, the industry as well i thought it was a really interesting um an interesting one and i really enjoyed it i thought actually some of the conversations i had were really informative and the talks themselves as well just some really interesting insights and thinking about the culture of our industry and all those kind of things too so not just the products but also this holistic space that we all exist in yeah, we're going to come on to that as well, because I think your panel in particular that you were uh, talking about, like the, the hubris of fintech is a huge one, which I found really interesting. And I think there were there were definitely some new topics uh, in general this year. I was um, moderating a panel on embedded insurance. And one of the things was just like, oh, this would not have been on the table. It would not have been on the cards. We would not have been discussing it pre-COVID. Um, so definitely a lot of new things coming up. And the, the COVID aspect is a, a big part of it, I think. So if I could jump in, I guess, from my experience, we're newbies 
to Money 2020 this year. And so there's definitely a deer in the headlights moment on the first morning as kind of running into and getting a lay of the land for the space. The thing that was fascinating for me is how open people were for conversations from minute one to the as we were being swept out of the rye uh, on Thursday afternoon. And that sort of end to end immersion, I think, is fascinating, tells you a lot about how much fintech is really part of the landscape now uh, in the wider finance space and in the technology space. And I think that was really encouraging to see in uh, very present and it, to feel as as a scale up founder myself. Yeah, that's huge. I think that is a huge part of it is is I was having lots of discussions with people about how it's just about getting everyone in the same space at the same time and having the opportunity to have those sort of water cooler type conversations that pop up just when you bump into someone. I was chatting to people whilst my bag was being scanned in the airport. I was in between two people who were at Money 2020 who were like, what were you guys up to last night? Oh, were you, were you also at Money 2020? Yeah, talk, let, let's talk about the stage that you were talking on. And I was on six different panels. I was like, oh, wow, that's impressive. I had a very similar one with the sort of right through to the airport where you're like, oh, I can spot the sort of um, those iridescent bags that were given away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you could be like, oh, what was your highlight? And that kind of conversation was so nice. Um, I think by the time we'd landed on the other end, essentially people like, now it's time to decompress. But yeah. The adrenaline was leaving the system and it was actually time to kind of synthesize and process everything. I'm certainly still backed up with follow-up emails from last week, not to mention shaking off <laughs> the headache. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, massively. I think, um, yeah, I, there was also um, on our plane out there, we were like half of this plane is probably heading to money 2020. But it's like six in the morning. So it's a little bit too early to be starting the conversations. But the plane back, definitely, definitely still there until the until the moment the plane lands. Um, but Harriet, having having been there before, how would you say that um, your sort of big picture takeaways uh, were compared to previous years? Mm, I think as I said, some of my big picture takeaways were were really around the sort of the overall sense of what we were talking about. So I thought that there was a really interesting narrative that was kind of on that topic of the blue sky thinking versus the practical solution. And I think that's what we were talking about on our panel very specifically, but it got woven into a lot of other talks as well. And thinking about actually, how can we use this technology to genuinely help people um, coming back to some of those core conversations about customer centricity? And then I also thought that there was also some really interesting recognition moments of companies that had maybe been very prominent in sort of 2014, 2015, 2016. Um, so sort of an, a reflective um, moment. And that started right on the first day with uh, Ian Stewart from HSBC talking about the influence of uh, Starling and Monzo and the, and the Challenger mm -hmm. banks that continued all the way through the conference, really. So I thought it was very interesting how there was a kind of pensiveness to uh what we were doing um, and what we were talking about. But then there were also some really exciting ones. There was a panel um, that was looking at the, the partnership between Visa and Google Maps. And I just thought this was so fascinating about, you know, mm. actually how it can empower people to really see where their money is being spent um, and be in control of, you know, the kind of the fraud element too, this understanding of, of, of that. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, panel. I'm sure I'll talk about it loads more. It was one of the ones that we took, we took a lot of uh, sort of takeaways from there. That's pretty cool. 
I think it's interesting. I bring a slightly different perspective to this because my main focus there was to basically get FaceTime with people who I would have had to string together 10 or 12 different trips to different countries mm -hmm. around the world who are prospective partners uh, or clients for us. And to see so many people who are there ready to do business um, from the very first minute, I mean, literally a stand next to the UK pavilion, um, within the first 20 minutes, someone asked me for a proposal, which I'm actually just in the process of finishing now, down to the last five minutes as we were being swept out on Thursday with someone else who's taking uh, our proposition to one of their clients as an intermediary. Um, it was, people were there to do business and that was fantastic. That makes mm. things like this really rewarding. And I think that it's something that also invites and builds critical mass. If these events are powerful and are impactful to businesses like mine, like ours, I think that it starts attracting more and more people to them and then it becomes an ecosystem. And that's really, really impactful. Mm. It's one of those events you can't miss because there's so much happening. There's so many deals being made or new things being brought up and and ideas that you should know about to, to know for your business that if you're not there or you have us to help you uh, if you weren't there. But it's one of those places you've got to be there, right? I agree. I think this is more my plug to say, if you've missed it this year, really make an effort to go. Certainly there are a lot of different ways to be able to get uh, to an event like this. And um, I, it blew me away how much it was worthwhile going. Ooh. Well, there's a little plug for Money 2020, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no hashtag ad here. <laughs> um, now, as I say, it was, so it was my first Money 2020. Um, I got a little a little heart emoji on my on my badge, which apparently meant that I was a newbie. Uh, didn't realize I was such a giveaway. But um, it was my first year. But I um, I was reliably informed, let's say, by multiple sources that in previous years there was sort of there's always been sort of one. There's lots of themes, lots of things going on, but sort of one overarching theme where it's like, oh, you really couldn't miss that X, Y, or Z was a topic of discussion this year. And I've been told that in previous years, it was sort of Web3, Metaverse, <laughs> and blockchain, which interestingly, I don't think either of those were particularly present this year. Um, but I would say for me, one of the big ones was AI. I think that was sort of the pretty massive one that was, was a key uh, theme for the year. And also, I'd say open banking uh, was another one. Um, not as much as AI, but I would say it was definitely present in a way that I would imagine it wasn't pre-COVID. Um, would you guys agree with that? Is that what you found to be the case? Definitely with the AI point, absolutely. I think, I mean, we, we mentioned the money bot stage already, but I think that in itself, the, the conversations I saw there were insane. Um, there was a fascinating one with uh, Amazon that I thought was amazing, but also the fact that it came up in the topics that didn't technically mention it in their headlines. So, you know, the Ian Stewart point, again, when he was going to Arjun Karpal talking about the way that HSBC are using generative AI um, in their, for their relationship managers. So mm -hmm. 750,000 reports being uh, written by AI so they can focus on relationships, which is the whole point of their job rather than this admin and the task of it. Um, Jeff Pigerson was talking um, to ABN AMRO and City, and they were talking about this as well. And um, the idea that actually you can use AI in, in the chat sort of um, scenarios for customer service so that people can actually focus on deep listening rather than um, having to take extensive notes. I thought it came up in a lot of different ways. So from the very specific ones, like the one run by Jeff, but all the way through to those other ones that were um it wasn't the main body of the, of their conversation but it's inevitable we have to talk about it 
Um, so I thought that was a, that was a huge one this year, actually. I'm inclined to agree that AI came up over and over again, um, but I think it's really interesting the counterpoint that you made, uh, Amelia, with regard to open banking. I think that these are two very, very impactful, but very different processes in terms of their stage mm -hmm. of adoption and penetration and direct application. So I think one of the things that is exciting about AI, and I think it is the kind of excitement of new love, um, everyone's trying different ways of applying it from businesses that would have consider it core to those who tangentially want to roll it into their strategies or adapting their strategies around this. But it is very much um, almost zesty with the amount of interaction and discussion and focus, but it's exploratory. The contrast with mm -hmm. open banking and something uh, for someone who's really looked at what's been going on for open banking for quite some time to see how much it's gradually built in as critical path. It's hard to have a successful solution that's facing uh, the personal finance market that doesn't have open banking front and center as core feature or specific reason why it can't be embedded. And so the, the stages of adoption are fundamentally different. You heard those uh, running almost on two parallel streams. Mm -hmm. That's a really crucial point, I think. I think a lot of the AI discussions in, in several use cases, it's, you know, it's sort of, we've been using it for 10 years. It's not new for us, but the generative AI side of it is, is newer, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of cases where it's, we're, we're testing the waters. We're seeing what this means. We're not, we're not getting rid of anyone just yet. We're not, we're not changing our fundamental offering, but we're, we're figuring out ways that we can, we can integrate it slowly. And imagine if we like flash forward to next year, I imagine it's going to be a lot more embedded into, into people's products, not quite in the same way as open banking is right now, but, but far more than it is right now, as you say, that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, on the topic of AI, I would love to know how, how Taya and Stepladder are, are approaching it, how things are going in that sphere. Harriet. Yeah, I mean, you know, AI is such a hot topic right now, isn't it? And it's it's inevitable that everyone is looking at it. With anything at Taya, it's always going, how can it help the customer? How can it help the merchants that we support on a day to day basis? Um, what kind of use cases are there where it's really going to improve the way they either are able to run their business or understand their business or grow their business? Um, and so I think when we talk about the simplification of all of those things, AI does have a huge potential there. Um, and there's a lot of conversations internally. Um, one of the key use cases that is in play is actually um, Artea Web Builder, which is essentially helping people to uh, create their online storefront. And, you know, we can use ChatGPT there to be able to populate a website for a small business in a matter of minutes rather than it taking quite a lot of arduous admin to try and work out what goes where and what sort of text to use, et cetera. And so actually there's some really interesting cases for, for that kind of thing, which just makes some of the stuff that in a digital world they have to do um, very, very simple. Mm. So yeah, it's definitely something we're using, exploring. And I think it, there's some really exciting opportunities in the future as well there. Interesting. For stepladder, um, AI is directly applicable to both front and back of the house. So we're still a relatively uh, small team and we're in the process of scaling up. And this is exactly why we were at Money 2020 was to be able to interact with many different prospective counterparties from around the world in one place. Um, the key thing from our perspective in terms of back of the house is it's a force multiplier for our dev team. It's a massive force multiplier for our marketing team in 
content production so that more time is spent in revising, editing, and sharpening the impact of things that we're producing when it comes to content. And when it comes to our code build, the first iteration, then we're spending more time in debugging. And it's a massive force multiplier. It means that our investor's capital goes further and gets a much higher ROI. Um, and that's in the back of the house. And so there's no question that we've, uh, we, we, we've been hugging that very closely since really uh, about the last six months when we talk about the, the rollout of generative AI. Now, deeper AI, so machine learning has been a topic of conversation internally to the Stepladder team, really going back to 2019 when we merged in a business called Squadron. Um, and the focus on machine learning has always been visible as a key part of our roadmap because creating better matched groups, which is our core proposition uh, in the form of saving circles, is one of those things that becomes essentially more and more powerful, the better predictive uh, you can, the better predictive modeling you can do around cohesion of the group to get better results for and outcomes for all the participants. And so in that sense, machine learning has always been right down the middle of the fairway. But again, like computing power, we can get so much further with it now than we could have even six months ago, not to mention three or four years ago. And so we definitely see that as a massive accelerant able to help a business like ours tap into network effects that were always there, but slightly out of reach. That's really interesting. I do think that one of the things as well that I noticed from talking to people just, just casually, the conversations you have around with people going, hey, how does AI factor in for you? The back end part of it is huge. And a lot of people are like, well, machine learning has been around for a long time for us. That's that's a core part of our product. We've been using it for a while. It's the front facing side and the way that it interacts with customers that is a lot newer and a lot uh, more tentative in testing it out because you don't want to get things wrong and you don't want to do anything that's forward facing that might not work for your customers or that might be off putting or if you, especially if you've cultivated a long time with your brand and how you are facing forward, you don't want to mess that up by going, oh, it'll be faster to have some AI. I think there's a really good lesson in those who are jumping straight to, well, this allows this to go into my out tray without spending any time revising it. And I think our application is very much what it does is it allows you to have the raw material that then needs to be refined further with that expert eye. But that means mm -hmm. that you get to spend more and more time in the area of differentiation and core competence as opposed to uh, the, 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 the dog's body work. And I think that that for a team like ours is a significant accelerant. I'm sure. I guess it's the sort of the you're not going to be replaced by AI, but you will be replaced by someone who knows how to use it. <laughs> well said. Um, other than AI and open banking, which obviously huge ones, were there any big topics that you found from being on the ground that you were like, oh, this is clearly something that um, not necessarily is being pushed this year, but this is a big topic of conversation, um, either through panels or just conversations that you're having with people? Yeah, I mean, I I think culture came up a lot and I think it came up in both implicit and explicit ways. Um, I thought that the economy came up again as well, like sort of what does the future look like for the landscape? What do we think investment culture is going to be? So again, it's kind of coming back to the culture point. Um, and I also thought, you know, within that, there was also a lot of talk about the role of London. Um, so, you know, Rajesh Agrawal, who actually, fun fact, was the first fintech founder I ever worked with um, oh, wow. back in the days of Zendpay um so it was a you know it was really interesting to sort of hear him talking as you know deputy mayor of london for business about the role of london um and 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 that sort of you know status and the sort of all the investment that's happening here as well so i think there's definitely took some really key themes there and i think culture really stood out to me as the one of the big ones maybe i've got a little bit of a you know uh marketing and, and brand bias there but <laughs> i think there was definitely a, a thing about how you know we 
never talked about SVB, never talked about Wirecard, never talked about uh, actually yeah, everything that happened with Sam Banker and Freed. I think that all of these came up in various ways and it sort of was kind of looking at, you know, we have this amazing ecosystem. We have this very, very powerful culture that's driven on the desire to be customer centric, to provide fantastic products, to innovate and disrupt. Um, but we are under more scrutiny because we have, you know, we are no longer nascent. And um, sort of, I think there was a really important thing about how, how companies grow, how sectors grow, um, and how technologies mature, which I thought was a really fascinating conversation to hear about at various different levels. I think yeah, something you said there, here really resonates with me. There's this clear sense of direction of travel where there's a structural change and the participation in Money 20, the companies that are gravitating to attending and consider it now core to their way of interacting with the wider ecosystem are part of something that is now fused into the interaction of uh, finance and frankly, ultimately the economy in a fundamental way that um, isn't cyclical. It's not a fad. It is a direction of travel. It is a widening wedge. And that um, it, it, it feels like a current of a river rather than a tide going up and down. And I think that that's something that was very palpable being there, the sense that we're not going to be pulling this back out. There's something else that we're moving on to. Some uh, micro themes might have that cyclicality to them, but the sense that the overall event is actually the real phenomenon really came through in a way, just walking the ground and hearing the conversation, just seeing the way it was bursting at the seams. Exactly. I think it actually goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning about that idea that we're all there on the ground together. And there's so many people willing to do business and to have these conversations and to kind of think about how we do collaborate and exist and grow together. I think it all ties in to this, this particular um, theme that really stood out to me and was talked about. And as I said, implicitly, explicitly, it, it just, almost a fact of, of the fintech and finance space right now. If I could jump in with one other observation, yeah. I think I mentioned this before. We were, our focus uh, being there was to really connect with other companies, prospective clients. And um, one, and as a result, I would say, I, I, I'm in awe of how many panels you guys are able to attend and how much you've distilled from all of them. I'm actually a little bit jealous. I feel like more one of the listeners today, <laughs> but I was surprised at the high hit rate of attendees uh, who made meetings, even around speaking schedules, et cetera. Um, it was uh, unbelievably high, um, such that I'd never seen that before in a conference in my 20 years. I mean, it was it was very impressive. And that, again, goes as well to goodwill, the sense that everyone who's there is there for a good reason and with uh, a, an extended hand. And I think that's a really, really positive dynamic to have observed, especially coming out of COVID. That's yeah, that's true. I feel like um, the the fears that maybe people wouldn't be able to interact with people again or would be scared to approach people or just go up to a stranger and introduce themselves and have a chat. Money 2020, put that to bed. Everyone's fine. With it. <laughs> In space. It's all good. It's all fine. Well, and also the serendipity. I mean, the one thing about scheduled calls is that you have exactly the calls that you can look at having in your diary. And then quickly the cynicism sets in of saying, well, why don't we just do this as an email or have it as a, uh, a shared document? But to go in and say, actually, the person to the left or to the right of me while I'm waiting to get a, a beverage by the uh, by the Money 2020 beach was a great dynamic and um, extremely, extremely serendipitous. And that's something you can't replicate easily without being there in person yeah that's a huge part of it the serendipity um 
Harriet, I want to talk about culture a little bit more and talk about your panel. <laughs> um, so you were on the Outer Limits stage, which I also just thought was a really cool stage. As a side note, I loved it. It was sort of uh, felt very much like kind of like being in a talk show kind of vibes, meet someone's living room. It's like big comfy chairs. Um, as with all the money de 2020 decorations, very funky and aesthetically pleasing sort of bright colors and boards and things like that uh, with some very hyped up uh, MCs as well and poets on the side um, writing poetry about the panels, which was amazing. Um, but anyway, so you were on that stage um, and you were talking to Alexia from your Juno and also Angeliano from Muse Finance. So your panel was called mm -hmm. Cut the Hubris. It's time for real solutions. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit more about that and your sort of big takeaways from that conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was so exciting to actually be having that conversation with with Anne and Alexia because, um, you know, we'd actually we'd worked quite hard on putting the idea together and, and thinking about what we wanted to say and uh, sort of actually going back to when, you know, you're first submitting kind of ideas to the, to the um, team at Money 2020 and going, this feels like something that we really want to talk about. And uh, I think that Alexia said it really nicely, actually, when we were on the panel. It's probably one of my, my favourites of takeaways from it and the conversation that we had was, you know, actually, if the talk of collaboration and customer-centric like, product building is only happening on a stage, then you are falling for the hype. These conversations have to be having, like, have to be held at in every company, in every team, at every touch point with customers, with regulators, with everyone. We really have to stick to those fundamentals and that's what's going to ensure that as a sector, we continue to grow um, as a, and, and we actually continue to build things that people need. Um, if, if we fall by the wayside, if we fall for the kind of, it can be so enticing. And, you know, I say this as a brand builder to build really shiny things. Um, but I think the, the fact is that we have to remember at the end of the day that if people don't need it, they're not going to, want it um and if it's not helping them then it's, it's probably falling um falling gonna fall by the wayside it'll, it'll be a bit of a gimmick so i think that one that that was a really interesting conversation to be held held and i think that it was a really important thing that alexia said there um and sort of making sure that we're not having philosophical discussions and i think that actually as a as a community that's why what i was saying at the beginning as well like you know we have seen a shift in the narrative slightly to be a bit more tempered um so yes we are still thinking what is the you know what does 2032 look like 2033 um all those kind of things but we are also talking about what's happening right now on the ground and how we can build products that people need that the, that the world needs um and we can help people every day so i thought that was a really important one and i the other thing that i think that Anne talked about a bit more was actually the black swan moment that we have and the fact that um, times today are very, very turbulent. And for particularly customers, they're feeling these these um, really disruptive times uh, very, very keenly. And that's it's super important now, especially as the cost of living hits everyone. So I think that one of the things that um, she mentioned that was really important that is when we are talking about innovation, when we're talking about disruption, we also need to be thinking about those fundamentals. So deeply understanding uh, the customer needs, yes, but also thinking how can we build sustainable, scalable businesses? Um, and that is where, you know, you cut the hubris and think about what's real. That was a wonderful sentence. 
<laughs> yeah, so there you go, Matthew, if you missed that. I, I, was, I was about to say, I felt like I was there right there. That was brilliant. Thanks, <laughs> um, and it's interesting because so much of what you said exactly resonates with the entire proposition of what Stepladder does as a business that I, 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 again, regret having missed it in person, but at least I got a chance to hear again here. We'll have to talk about it a little bit more offline. But um, I, I just found that many of those conversations went in directions where you could see that there are common themes as to what is really going to make uh, fintech part of the permanent ecosystem because it makes a difference in people's lives because it helps reduce frictions and it brings people together and it makes things work better. Exactly. I do think, yeah, Harry, the point you're making of, of we're thinking about the big picture, but also the steps that you're going to take to get there. And it's wonderful to have that big picture aim, but getting there in a sustainable and a healthy way that's good for your brand and for your customers and for everyone on the steps to get there is is a huge part of it, uh, which comes down again to the culture to talk about the way that it's impacting the economy. It's sort of all these big picture themes that you'll mention before tying together. Um, and jumping back a bit, the fact that you pointed out of, of London as a big thing, I also thought was interesting, especially this week with London Tech Week, we've got London FinTech Week, we've got Fringe, there's so much going on in London. But the sort of call uh, for, for wanting to keep London as this sort of FinTech hub superpower um, is the buzzword of the week. Um, but hearing hearing that talk of, of how can we bring that focus, especially when around money 2020 i was surprised and maybe this happens every year but by the different there was like an australia booth there was an estonia booth there were all these different countries and and people sort of pitching for come to our country for fintech it was quite cool to see london specifically have have the moment of just london we're great here's, <laughs> here's what london can do for you um speaking of london um Matthew, that was, was, yeah. was must have been a deliberate segue i can't imagine like it that really was wasn't but i actually <laughs> my goodness Thank you. Um, so you, you, you were talking with Grow London. That's right. Um, we were really lucky, actually. We, um, my co-founder, Lucy, and I were there, actually, in two capacities. She went with Barclays Rise, and I went with the Grow London uh, cohort that we're part of. So uh, when you mentioned Rajesh, like, we got to kick off Monday uh, at Newmarket at lunch together, and the whole way through, um, it's great to have a, an ally and support like that for businesses like ours, which are trying to become global and impactful in the FinTech ecosystem to have such a strong base and have so much of a tailwind uh, institutionally, it's just amazing. So not only do we have the opportunity to present along with the rest of the companies who are there as part of our delegation, um, and that was fantastic at the UK Pavilion, but my co-founder Lucy, who um, we're putting up some of the fireside chat that she did with Anastasia from Barclays, uh, on our LinkedIn is also just a great opportunity for businesses like ours to say, here's who we are and tell our story in a way that isn't just the usual 30 second snippet that you get, but to actually say there is uh, an overall view of what we're doing and why we think we belong as part of the global ecosystem for fintechs, especially uh, in, in, in social finance. Very exciting. And sort of another, another way or another example of, of things that you wouldn't be able to get when you're not in the same room of, of being able to go beyond that that sort of small amount of your, your elevator pitch that you give and, and having a few more minutes to be able to delve into some deeper things and go beyond um, go beyond the surface and start getting into some of the things that you were talking about, Harriet, as well. Um, now, as we sort of come towards the end a bit, um, I would love to just wildcard and hear sort of the most surprising things that came up for your Money 2020, whether that was a panel, whether that was a takeaway that you had, whether that was 
a thing that you saw um what surprised you go for it Matthew um I I was reflecting on this a lot coming away from it one of the panels that I absolutely loved and I wish it had gotten just a little bit more of a spotlight on it was the uh, panel actually on Sharia finance you know we're talking about mm -hmm. two billion people worldwide and a lot of people think of Sharia and the first thing they think of is there isn't interest in the mechanism and finance, but actually it's more than that. It really is community-based finance. And um, it was, you know, late in the day um, towards the end of the conference. And as a result, it was kind of sparsely attended. I, I think I was mentioning uh, in anticipation of our call today that, um, you know, then they had to DJ, like dial up the music, like as soon as the panelists came off the stage. And that was one where I was like, there's so much interesting content here that you almost wish there was an opportunity to go back and have replays of uh, some of the panels that we missed. Uh, Harry, I would love to have been at yours. I'm really sorry I missed that. And on embedded insurance for that matter, because we think a lot that embedded finance is a key part of personal finance. So I'm sorry, Amelia, that I wasn't able to be <laughs> at your panel either. But I was going to say, there were so many, and you come back and you say, golly, next year, how am I going to force multiply? I'm lucky that I went with my co-founder and at least we were able to cover twice the ground, but there's just so much. Yeah. That really is. And actually, I think the one you, you were just talking about, I think I had the, actually a surprising amount of conversations around uh, sort of almost building for micro communities or uh, building really niche products because actually now we have the technology to be able to do that without compromising on quality um, and all those kind of things and how we can build for you know communities that have been systemically neglected over time. Um, so that you know ranged from Alexia talking about Juno and the financial. Um, the need for financial feminism and actually the need for education for women but also Nina Mahanti was talking about um bloom circles and bloom money and I think that actually there was a really important conversation there about supporting migrant communities and I think that probably resonates a lot with you um and then I think that the other ones were kind of talking about greenwashing and as well and how mm -hmm. it can be really great to have this kind of um conversation but again if it's only happening on a stage it needs to happen everywhere else as well so I think the there were a lot of conversations like that that were happening off stage that I thought were really really exciting because actually I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to be a theme next year um, and in the years to come and just making sure that we're sort of holding everyone accountable and responsible and, and building those products that are needed by so many different segments of, of um, society. I agree. I think technology is a big force multiplier, especially when we talk about finance. It's one of the on-ramps. Um, and I think there's such a huge, huge potential there. It's kind of like an urbanization wave, but now it's a bringing inside the, the, the finance perimeter of so many mm -hmm. groups that have historically been excluded. Um, and I think that that's extremely powerful. And that's one of the ways that we are making an impact and actually increasing the size of the total pie for everyone. And that is uh, a social good. Mm -hmm. I think also just on the surprising point, to come back to that one very quickly, I yeah. was super surprised by the money, money bot stage. I, with the first time I saw it, I genuinely jumped out of my skin. I was 100% surprised. And um, for someone that told me that it was an actual AI and I fell for it the first time. Um, <laughs> um, I thought someone was feeding it text and it was reading it, but no, apparently not. Um, so so, so really to explain did... for the audience, <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant robot. <laughs> there was just um, by one of the stages. There was a little bit confusingly. There was a money bot stage and a money pot stage, and the money pot stage was, I think, a podcast uh, recording. But 
the money with honey, with honey dripping all over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which one of my colleagues said that he got confused and thought it was a food stand. Um, <laughs> but the money bot stage, um, which is where I was moderating a panel, there was just a giant robot and. I I wouldn't want to guess the height, but it was huge. And I had been sent a picture of it the day before uh, by Mickey from Money 2020 going, here's the robot that's going to be your Bible panel. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of large. And then I got there and it's like, oh my. It was towering. I it mean, was it huge. was 25, 30 feet. Thank you for that crazy. prediction. I would have been way off. Um, <laughs> it was huge. And yes, so I have never been introduced onto a panel by a robot before but i was my panelists and i were announced by a robot as we walked onto the stage um and yeah i to not to pull back the curtain but i do i do think it was mickey speaking into a microphone <laughs> and i think it was yeah. then distorted uh but there was a face there was a face that was smiling and it was sad it was sad that it was ending but it was happy that las vegas is happening in september or october Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think those were him. That maybe that was it. So I want bananas for the donut delivery robots. Um, as an American, I already have a weakness for donuts. Um, and I have to say, having the donut robots just hovering by while my co-founder and I were like strategizing over our day was mm-hmm. a temptation too hard to resist, I have to say, especially in the morning. <laughs> I miss that. I don't know how I missed oh, that. Oh goodness! I'll, I'll share the picture with you guys Please offline. Do. But it was uh, it, it, it was very similar to Moneybot, but in micro, and they were stacked to the, the trays of uh, donuts on them. It was fantastic. Amazing. I can't believe I missed those. <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible. The more the more that I go on LinkedIn and I see people's posts about their wrap ups, I'm like, whoa! There were 15 things that were happening that I didn't even realize. It's um, incredible. Yeah, huge. Uh, cool. But think you head to next year. What would be, if you had to make a prediction of what you think the sort of big topics, big themes, big things that we'll be talking about, I won't hold you to them. I'm not going to come back to you in a year and, and check on it. But what would your predictions be? I think people will still be ordering the Aperol spritz in the afternoon. <laughs> Only in the afternoon? Well, I mean, they always start serving it too. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's the Outer Limits bar that starts a bit earlier in the day. <laughs> worth checking out <laughs> yeah i think that was where the espresso martini started at 10 which was a little bit concerning even <laughs> for those of us who love coffee um, <laughs> um yeah I, I think in terms of the big themes i don't think we've touched even the, the tip of the iceberg with ai i think particularly as more people start adopting it into business and into fintech um the generative ai side of it i think that's going to continue to be very interesting i wouldn't be surprised if that is a, it continues to be a theme for a couple of years to be honest um, although I imagine that your way that it's talked about will change. Um, it won't be the shiny new thing that everyone discovered over Christmas. Um, it will be something a bit more um, developed and, and um, evolved, I think. Um, I think digital payments in Europe will also be really interesting. There's a lot of uh, big ongoing pieces of work that I believe are happening sort of in fintechs and regulators and, and all sorts of actually, I think those are going to be really fascinating. There's a talk um, about how uh digital payments in india really got adopted after they changed the railways to be more digital and actually i think there's a sort of transition that with some of these regulatory um pieces coming out will sort of push that shift forward as well um in europe so i think there's going to be some fascinating stuff there um and i also from a personal point of view i'd love to see more conversation about green finance sustainable finance all those kinds of things so i think 
there was a lot of conversation about it, but I think more in the greenwashing sense. And actually, mm-hmm. Hannah Duncan um, has been writing quite a lot about uh, green investment, all these kind of things. And I think that it'd be interesting to see some more conversation about that um, and potentially a stream around uh, that sort of relationship between finance, business and climate. One of the things I found really powerful and I think is going to be a continuing build uh, into the next couple of years is how much uh, emerging markets are really showing a powerful ability to leapfrog uh, incumbent technologies. And I think that there's going to be essentially a reversal of flow of fast growing, effectively executed super apps, um, wallet companies that started as remittance businesses or wallets that are truly the entire uh, personal finance ecosystem for customers. And that's where the next billion uh, uh, personal finance and fintech users are going to be coming from. And so in many ways, from my perspective, I think it's going to be an even more present thing in the in the years to come. I was really, really pleased to see such a strong representation from markets that weren't just the, the same four or five that I'm used to from 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Um, there'll be so many companies by the next year that will have somehow doubled in size. Um, at least. <laughs> at least, at least on an already astonishingly large, um, large venue. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your insights. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. Um, I think that's about all we have time for. So, um, yeah, huge thank you. And next month, my colleague Daniel will be back. He'll be hosting a webinar on embedding exceptional borrower experience and embedded finance. And he'll be joined by guests from Provenir, New Day and Fluro. So until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Matthew. Thank you, Harriet. And have a good one. Goodbye. Thanks for having us. Great to see you all. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.